don't worry, guys, I'm not the preacher this morning. Um, also, I want to correct myself. Thank you. The verse I was quoting was Matthew 11:28. So we're just going to correct that. Um, so I did want to give one last plug for the She Can Conference. It's going to be amazing. It's Friday, May 6, 530 to 9. Yummy food, fellowship, worship, speakers. Um, I did want to mention the Lord laid it on my heart this morning. If finances are an issue for you, I would love to sponsor your ticket. So if you would just find me afterwards, sparkly headband, we're good. Um, and I'm so excited to uh, introduce our actual pastor, Hansi Stein. He is a friend of Thrive. He was here in January for the first conference. Yes. So y'all are going to love, he has an amazing word to share with us on discouragement. So let's welcome him. Well, amen. Thank you so much. Okay, there we go. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for inviting me again. My voice is a little bit croaky because I had them work on my teeth and they put a pipe down my throat. So, hope it's going to go away. <clears throat> but everybody can hear me, right? Everybody can understand me. Okay. So if it's a bit croaky, just bear with me and it'll get warmer and I will sound better in the end. <clears throat> Thank you, Father God, for this morning. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the worship. We give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you that we could hear the word of God this morning through the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you help me preach through the Holy Spirit as well, that every word that comes from my mouth will be from God and not from my flesh. I thank you that your people will get set free this morning and will be delivered and be encouraged in the name of Jesus. And we give you all praise and glory for it. Amen. Give your praise team a big clap. That was very good this morning. <clears throat> There's a story that they tell um, about Satan that was having a garage sale. He was going to sell all his tools that he had, the tool of hatred and unforgiveness and bitterness and anxiety and depression. He had them all laid down on the, on the table with prices on. And then there was one table <clears throat> which had one tool on, and um, it was highly priced, but it was very used. You could see that this tool was used. So the people walked around, and one guy came to Satan and said, hey, What's up with all these tools you're selling with a good price? But this one is the oldest one. It's used the most, uh, but you've priced it the highest. What's, what's up with this thing? And Satan said, Omar, man, this tool of mine, it, you, you're right. It's been used so many times, and this is my special tool. That's why I'm selling it for a higher price. Because this tool is far more important than those tools. Because if I cannot get the Christians to get be full of hatred and anger and bitterness and depression and anxiety and fear and unbelief, he said, then I use this tool. And this one always works. He said, well, what tool is this? He said, oh, this tool is called discouragement. If I can get the Christian discouraged, I automatically can get them to f be hateful, 
to be bitter, to be full of anger, fear. You see, because if you just got fear, you can still get through it. Or if you're angry, you can get over it. But when you're discouraged, you automatically, he can use those tools. Because when somebody is discouraged, they get fearful. They're depressed. They get angry, angry at God, angry at the word. They become hateful, bitter towards people, towards the situation. He says, so I use that tool very, 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 most of the times. And I thought this morning, boy, the times that we're living in, isn't it so easy for us Christians to get discouraged? And I want you this morning to listen to me. <clears throat> I want to ask you, watch out for discouragement. Because Satan is using this tool. And he will take the smallest little issue in your life and exaggerate it that it looks like a massive big problem. And it's not. And if we keep on getting discouraged, keep on getting discouraged, keep on getting discouraged, I am warning people, if you don't get out of discouragement, you can end up backsliding. You will end up sitting at home, and you know people that are not in church this morning, that are backslidden. You know them. And if you ask them why, they won't say they're discouraged. But in the end, you will know that they, all the promises that God has given us in his word has not come true in their life yet. And that's why people get discouraged. And they think that God is not worried about them anymore. God doesn't love them anymore. The church doesn't care for them. The preacher's talking a bunch of nonsense. Because Brother Hansi came and said, hey, the Bible says you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Well, I'm still battling with COVID, and my husband died from COVID. And the preacher said, if I pay my tithes, God will open up the heavens, but I still don't have food. And the gas has just gone up. See, it's so easy to get trapped in that discouragement trap, if I can put it that way. And many of us sitting here today, some of you are discouraged. Just get in your truck and go to the shell garage down the road here and take that pipe, you know, that long pipe, and put it in your truck and just keep it there for a while and don't, and don't look. And when you look again, think, oh, my goodness. It's costing me $160 to fold up my Christian, Christian Chevrolet truck. But I'm still discouraged. And if you keep on staying discouraged, you're not going to vote for the guy that's in government anymore. I don't know, you shouldn't be voting for me. Oh, no, okay, no, that's right. Um, I didn't have to say that. But, but then you won't because you'll get full of hatred and you'll get fearful and you get angry because of what's going wrong in the political and the economic and the church and, the, and, and everywhere and the COVID situation and everything can just discourage us, right? If you don't watch out, you're going to slip away from God. And Satan, Satan is a master of using that 
tool. He knows where, where to get you in a situation where you are so discouraged that you're going to get in trouble. And I want to ask you this morning, watch out. Don't, there's so many stuff that we're going to face. Yeah, but Brother Hansi, why is Satan just hitting us, hitting us? Because you're in a spiritual warfare. You are fighting Satan all the time, and it's never going to stop until Jesus comes back. So you might as well get up, put on your armor, and start saying, well, let's fight. Instead of going, laying down and getting so discouraged, let him trample on you. You are not a marshmallow. Sometimes I walk into churches and I hear, I say, God, what's that? He said, that's Satan trampling on the marshmallow Christians. Say, I'm not a marshmallow. Say, I'm a child of God. Amen. Oh, my goodness. So let's go, go quickly this morning and let's look at a man who got discouraged. A man after God's own heart. <clears throat> um, you all know who that was. King David. A man that wrote so many psalms. A man that was a shepherd boy. And his brother came to him and said, hey, there's a guy that wants to see you at home. So David said, I'm busy with the sheep. He said, this guy's one of the prophets. You better come. So David went down, and when Samuel saw David, God said to Samuel, this is the next king of Israel. I want you to anoint him. And David was anointed as a young man, the next king of Israel. He received a promise from God that he was going to be the next king. Just like you and I have received the promise from God that you are healed by his stripes. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And there's more, thousands of more promises in this book that God has promised you, right? So just as God promised David that he was going to become the king, I can just hear David saying, let's go, Papa. I'm the king now. Let's go. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <clears throat> it took 17 years before David became the king. All right? But here he is, got the promise, like you and I got all these promises of God, and he's got to wait 17 years. Some of you are still waiting for your loved ones to get saved. Some of you are still waiting for God to bless you financially. Some of you are still waiting for God to heal your bodies like the word says. Are you getting my point? And the promise that God has made you, some of you have had words spoken over you, prophetic words spoken over you, and you're still waiting for God to do that. It's okay to wait. Because what you receive in a hurry, you can lose in a hurry. Can I say that again? What you receive in a hurry, you can lose in a hurry. You see, David had to be schooled 
through the 17 years so that when he became king, he was ready to be the king. Don't you go and give up before you get your promise fulfilled or before that promise manifests. So in the meanwhile, after that, he's now anointed as the king. He is actually the king, but he's not yet because Saul is still the king. So in the meantime, his dad sends him to the battlefield to go feed his brothers. And when he gets there, Saul and the whole army is shivering and full of fear because there's a big giant called Goliath cussing God and cursing them and telling them how what a bunch of sissies they are. And David says, hey, what's wrong with you guys? Why don't you whip this guy? And Saul says, oh my goodness, you see how big this guy is? And David says, I don't care how big he is. I've got God on my side. Amen. You see, it doesn't matter how big your problem is. If you got God, you got the word, you got the name of Jesus, you got the blood of Jesus, you're an overcomer. You just got to be bold enough to say, well, even if it's one little stone, I don't care what God uses, I can whip that enemy. And David kills Goliath and cuts his head off and takes his sword. And King Saul looks at David and thinks, oh my goodness, I can use this guy. So he employs him and puts him in, in, in the government position and sends him out to go and fight. And David comes back and wins many, many wars. But when David comes back, winning the war, and he walks down the aisle, there's some beautiful young woman next to the road hitting the tambourine saying, here comes old David. Mm, he, he's, he's killed 10,000. And David tells me, mm, maybe I'm the man. Saul looks at this and he says, hey, this is not fair. Because when I go out and fight and when I come back, the girls are just saying, here comes old Saul. The old man, he's only killed 1,000. And Saul becomes jealous of David. And he says, I've got to kill this guy. I've got to take this guy out. So here goes David and he starts fleeing, running away from King Saul. Now remember, don't forget, David has anointed the next king. He's got to be in the place of King Saul, and now Saul wants to kill him, right? You and I have been anointed king and priest. You are special. You are chosen by God. You are anointed by God. You are wonderfully, marvelously, fearfully made, and your soul better know that. You are not a piece of junk. You have authority. You have power to trample on serpents and scorpions. And God wants to use you and I as kings and priests. So we can rise up against the enemy, not run away from the enemy. But David, for some other reason, starts running away from King Saul. I still don't understand why, but we'll look at that this now. So there goes David. Now, remember the timeline. David's been anointed as the king. 17 years later, he's going to be the king. So he runs away for about 15 and a half years. And he ends up in a cave of a dulem. And he's had it. He's depressed. 
He's fearful. He's worried. He hits the panic button. He doesn't know what to do now. Because Saul has tried to kill him 23 times. Using his wife, using Jonathan, his best friend, using whatever Saul could get. But remember, what God has anointed, Satan cannot kill. Because if God's chosen you and you are anointed, but you've got to fight. The only reason or only time when Satan can whip you is when you give up. And you get so discouraged that you ignore God and you want nothing to do with God. But it's in year 15 and David has got to the point where it doesn't matter what's happening now. He, he doesn't realize that he's two years away from becoming the king. In year 17, he was going to become the king. It's year 15. Just two more years. If David had known he was going to become the king in, in, in year 17, he would have said, no problem. I just got to stick out for two more years. If you know you're going to get healed next Sunday, you can stick this week out, right? You can wait another week. If you know God says in five years, five years' time, I'm going to save your family. You know what you're going to do? Ah, thank you, Jesus. My son's going to get off drugs. My, girl, my, 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 my daughter's going to get married. Uh, my wife's going to get saved. Whoever. Because you know the timing, but we don't know the timing. So, and usually just before your breakthrough, Satan will use that discouragement too. Because if he can discourage you so much, Guess what? You won't get your blessing. You'll lose your healing. You'll lose salvation. You'll lose a lot of the promises that God's given you. Israel did not go into the land of Canaan. Their children went in. They didn't. Why? Because they got discouraged. Where's the meat? Where's the water? Why are we going through the desert? And they got discouraged and they became disobedient and angry with God. And they built a calf, right? And God said, hey, because you were disobedient and hard-hearted, you will not go into the land. You will walk around in circles in the desert for 40 years. They didn't get the, they didn't get the promise of the land of Canaan. And we can lose our promises if we get so discouraged. Now, watch out that you don't, that what God has promised you, and here it's going to happen, that you give up right here in year 15 or, or 16. Example. Those of you who got iPhones and Apple computers and iPads, when, when, when Apple um, invented the concept of the Apple computer, they went to Atari and to Hewlett Packard and said, here's our concept. Look at this new computer system that we've invented. Atari and Hewlett Packard looked at it and said, ah, we're not interested. Boy, if Apple had got discouraged there and said, well, that's it. Guess what? You guys won't have iPhones. You'll be crying. 
I don't have an iPhone. I don't have an iPad. I've got to use the stupid Samsung. <laughs> so Apple decided to go on ahead. You know, then the first year they said, well, they just try it. They, they could have got discouraged and given up, but they didn't. They kept on going. And in the first year, they sold $2.4 million worth of computers. And today, like I said, if Apple wasn't there, you wouldn't have all the eyes. Coca-Cola. When they invented Coca-Cola, the first year, they sold 400 bottles of Coca-Cola in one year. Yeah. And I could, if they had got discouraged, they would have said, nobody wants to buy this poison. Coca-Cola's poison, you know that, eh? with all the sugar. But they said, well, let's just keep on going. And today, Coca-Cola is the greatest, biggest Soda factory in, in the world. You can go to mid-Africa and where the little black guys are walking around with no clothes on, but they got a Coca-Cola bottle. <laughs> yep. Henry Ford, the guy that built all these ugly Ford trucks outside here. Yeah? <laughs> Come on, guys, you know me. I just got to throw that in now and then. The first three years, while he was busy building and inventing the Ford, he went bankrupt twice. So he could have got so discouraged and given up and said, well, man, in three years I went bankrupt twice. This is not going to work. If he had stopped there, the whole motor industry would have been different. Because, come on, I don't like the Fords, but they are the basics of all the motor industry. We're just joking. That's, that's where the motor industry started. If you had stopped, you would most probably still be riding your horses. They wouldn't get you nowhere now. We've got to drive electric cars. Hmm. Michael Jordan. They all know who Michael Jordan was, the baseball player. He was kicked off his high school Basketball team, he wasn't good enough. You want to get discouraged? Knowing that you're good, but even the high school football coach doesn't want you. So he could have started playing baseball or football or joined the gang in Chicago and become a drug addict, but he didn't. He didn't get discouraged. He believed that the promise was there. And he kept on going and became one of the greatest baseball players. How's your discouragement? Are you giving up just before it's going to happen? You don't know when your 17th year is. You don't know with a woman with the issue of blood when your 12th year is. You don't know the man next to the pool when your 38th year is, when Jesus comes along and says, do you want to be made whole? We don't know when our breakthroughs come. But, that, but, but if you're going to get discouraged before your breakthrough, you might not get it. So let's look 
what happened. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying again, there's so many promises God has promised you, and you read the promises, and you get discouraged because it doesn't happen on your time. But just, just give God some time to, to, to work. I told somebody this now. I've been in America for 20 years. When God prophesied over me and my wife come to America, I was ready. Let's go immediately. But six years later, we came to America. That's when somebody contacted us from America and heard our music on the radio station. But in year four or five, I got so fed up, so discouraged, I said, those prophets were speaking nonsense. That's, God never told them that I'm going to go to America. I don't even know any people in America. And I almost lost it. I almost gave up if it wasn't for my wife that said, let's just keep on believing. Let's just keep on believing. I want to I encourage you. Keep on believing for that salvation for your children and grandchildren. Keep on believing for your healing. Keep on believing for your marriage, marriage to be healed. Keep on believing for this country that it will change. Keep on believing because God can do it. God, nothing is impossible for God, but he uses people. If you and I don't believe, if you and I don't pray, nothing will happen. We've got to pray until something happens. Pray until it manifests, right? So let's look what discouragement can do to you if you hold on to that discouragement tool and get trapped in that discouragement. Go to 1 Samuel 27, verse 1. <clears throat> Is everybody still with me? Okay. Now David said in his heart, now I shall perish one day or someday at the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than I should rather go speedily and escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. That's how I shall escape out of this land or, or, or out of his hand. So David starts in this year 15, he's in this cave, a dulem, called a dulem, with 600 other people with him. And he's now so discouraged that he writes this. Go back to the first uh, chapter 27 and stay there. <clears throat> he writes this when he's discouraged. And I'm thinking, David, what the heck is wrong with you? Look what, you, look what you're writing. And some of you say, well, that's not so bad. He's so discouraged at this point of time that there's four points in that scripture that he does what discouraged people do when they get discouraged. And maybe you will recognize some of them because you've been there, because I've been there. The first thing that discouraged people do, their perspective, their attitude changes. Why? Number one, David says in his heart, discouraged people stop talking to God and they start speaking to themselves. They see the problem, they face the problem, and then they start figuring out what they got to do. Oh boy, that's very dangerous. Because if a Christian ignores the Holy Spirit 
and the Lord Jesus Christ and God's influence in their life. And you and I start figuring out in this thing up here what we're going to do. You're going to have a lot of problems. We need the Holy Spirit wisdom. We need the Holy Spirit knowledge and discernment so we can decide what to do. Without the Holy Spirit, you will mess it up. Somebody said, do I really need the Holy Spirit every day? Baby, baby, you need the Holy Spirit when you go to Walmart. <laughs> you need him everywhere. You cannot make, as a child of God, you cannot make the decisions on your own no more because you don't belong to yourself no more. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You now belong to God. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit has become one. So now you need the Holy Spirit. And when you get discouraged because the promises of God has not come to, uh, come to pass, and now you're going to fix the problem by yourself, David couldn't fix the problem by himself. He couldn't kill Goliath by himself. God had to tell him what to do. Now he wants to run away from Saul, and now he's saying in his heart, now he's figuring out how to fix the problem. And let me tell you, you cannot fix the problem by yourself. He's disconnecting from God. And he starts talking to himself, trying to figure out how to fix this problem. He's, saying, he's losing sight of God, and he's looking at the problem. You see, we got to walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, you see the problem, but by faith you realize God's going to fix it. Because every problem that there is, is fixable. All things are possible for God. But you and I got to live by faith, not by what we see. And that's what David doesn't do. He's now not, he's not trusting God no more to fix this thing. Because for 15 years, God's kept him safe. Saul tried to kill him 23 times, and he couldn't kill him. Why? Because of God. Now, in year 15, he's trying to figure out this thing by himself. That's the first thing that people do that are discouraged. You try and talk to yourself, and you're not talking to God. Somebody else did this as well, Abraham and Sarah. God gave them a promise, right? What promise? They're going to have a child at 90 years old. Sarah laughed and said, I'm going to have a baby at 90 years old. You must be joking. And God said, just because you laughed, I'm going to give you a child. But the promise didn't come in their timing. So they got discouraged. So what did they do? They cut God out and they forget the promise of God and they start doing this by themselves. How are we going to get a baby? Sarah says, I cannot get pregnant. Abraham said, okay, I, I can see that. She said, what about my little slave girl, you can sleep with her, we can get a child. So they figure this thing out by themselves, and they make an Ishmael, right? We still have problems with Ishmael today. As a, I don't want to say who they are, okay. <clears throat> but we still have problems with them. They shouldn't have done that. They should have waited for Sarah to get pregnant, 
but they're trying to figure this out by themselves. When you figure it out yourself, you're going to make the wrong decision. You're going to do the wrong thing. And some of you have done that. Some of you have divorced wives and husbands. Some of you have lost your jobs and said, I'm going to go to another job. Some people have left this church and gone to another church just to find out that that church is just like this church. The people here don't like them, and the people there don't like them. Maybe they're the problem and not the church. <laughs> you see, we, we, we try and figure this thing out ourselves when we get discouraged, because we want to fix it quickly. Please don't do that. Don't disconnect yourself from God. Talk to God. Ask God what you should do. Tell God that you are discouraged. Say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but this is not working. Don't focus on yourself to, 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 to work out the problem. The worst time to make a decision is when you're discouraged because you're going to make the wrong choice. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Have you read it? This young girl here read it this morning. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on God. Let God do it for you. Ask him what to do, how to do. Let the Holy Spirit tell you. Don't you disconnect yourself and you figure it out in this mind. Remember I said this morning as well, your mind is so full of stuff. Your mind goes three, four, five things you're thinking of at the same time. Some of you are listening to me, but you're already thinking about tomorrow morning what you can do when you go to work. Some of you are sitting here listening to me, but you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Your mind can go all over the place. Don't fight with your mind. Your mind will go different areas. Fight with your mouth. Your mouth can only say one thing at a, at a time. And you should be fighting with your mouth, that sword of the Spirit coming out, the Word of God coming out of your mouth. This is what God said. This is what God promised. I can do it. I will do it. God's promises are yes and amen. And start speaking the answer. The cross, the blood. <clears throat> Don't speak the problem. Number two. Number one, he says in his heart, he speaks to himself. Number two, what does he say? Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. Thank you, you negative boy. Oh, my goodness. God did never say to David, listen, you better watch out. Saul's going to kill you. God said, you are going to be the next king. Guys, he's got the promise. He's going to become the next king. You know what he's saying? Saul's going to kill me. Oh, isn't he positive? Don't you just like it? It's like many of you. Oh, I'll never make it. Nothing's working out for me and my wife. I don't think my son will ever get off drugs. He's just like his old grandfather. That's how we talk. Everybody else is being blessed except me. I don't think God loves me. And we talk like that. Because, we, because we're thinking with this thing. And we're not focusing on Jesus. If you're focusing on God, you'll focus on the Word. And if you focus on the Word, your faith will work. And your mouth will speak positive life. But David starts speaking death. He's losing it. I better hurry up. I don't know why I'm preaching longer than this now. Where's the lion killer? Where's the bear killer? 
Where's the Goliath killer? The guy that said, come on, let me whip you with a stone. I've killed lions. I've killed bears. Now he's saying, Saul's going to kill me. He should have said to Saul, hey, Saul, come here. Remember me, David? Remember the sling? Remember Goliath? I could whip you, baby. Come to Papa. And I can hear Saul saying, David, I'm just joking, baby. I don't really want to kill you. It's okay. It's okay. Because Saul knew David could kill him. But David's running away. You know you have power over the enemy. Why are you running away from Satan? Why are you afraid of what he's doing? You can see what he's doing, but don't go by what, you, what you're seeing he's doing. Go by what you see Jesus is doing. And start functioning on what the word says. Hold on to your promise. Hold on to your breakthrough. Don't look at the problem. Because you're going to get discouraged. You're going to start speaking to yourself, and you're going to start speaking negative words. You're going to become pessimistic. You're going to get depressed, negative. And I can hear you saying, what's it worth? Nothing's working. Nothing's going to happen. David ignores that he's going to become the king. He ignores the promise and says, Saul's going to kill me. How stupid. Sorry to put it straight bluntly. He's got the promise. He's going to be the king. And he says, Saul's going to kill him. You really want to be in, in, in trouble? Keep on speaking like that. If you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and you do not doubt in your heart, but believe that the things that you say will come to pass, guess what? You will have what you say, negative and positive. So he's speaking to himself. And then what he speaks is what's, in, what's going on in his mind, negative words of death. Because there's power in your tongue, right? Life or death, you can speak, life or death. And he was speaking death. So after he's speaking death, ignoring God, um, not, uh, I can hear him say, God's not keeping his word. He's told me I'm going to become uh, the king, but I'm not. And some of you say the same thing. God's word says this, but God's word is not true. The, pre uh, the preacher's lying. No, just hold on. Don't get discouraged. Number three, what does he do? He says, there's nothing better for me. Plain English. I don't know what to do. I'm just giving up. See, that's what discouraged people do. They speak to themselves. Then they speak the negative, depressing, pessimistic, death words. And then they turn around and say, I don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. You're the guy, David, that wrote how many psalms? You're the one, David, that inquired from God for 15 years, what do I have to do? How do I get away? What? And God told him what to do. Now he's saying, I don't know what to do. He stopped praying. Discouraged people, number three, stop praying. They don't pray to God no more. They don't ask God what to do no more. Well, why? Obviously because they speak into themselves and they speak in negative, and they don't believe the word of God, and they don't pray to God, and they don't come out for prayer because they've been prayed for so many times. Yeah, but how do you know that if this time that you come out might not be your 17th year? 
that you become the king, that you get your breakthrough. How do you know? So you keep on coming out, and you tell them, I want, I want prayer again for that cancer. I want prayer again for that diabetes. And you never know when that breakthrough comes. But if you don't, you'll stop praying about it, for it, and you'll give up. And that's what he does. He stops praying. Hey, David, you should have started praying. But David looks everywhere except to God. He doesn't know what to do. But he did know what to do. If you go to 1 Samuel 22, 5, while he was in the, in the cave, look what the prophet said. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold, that, that's cave. He said, depart, go to the land of Judah. But what does David do? So David departed, but he went to the forest of Hereth. He knew exactly what to do, but he didn't do it. Why? Because discouragement will make you disobedient as well. You'll do it my way. You'll have a Frank Sinatra moment. <clears throat> You'll speak to yourself, negative, pessimistic, negative death words will come out of your mouth, and you'll stop praying. And when you stop praying, you lose connection with God. You cannot afford to stop speaking to God. You've got to pray always. Pray always. So at this point of time, David's pessimistic. He's discouraged. He's looking at the problem. He's speaking to himself. He's negative. He's down. He's overwhelmed. And he's prayerless. You know what he does, the fourth one? Oh, my goodness. It says, he said, I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. You know what he does? He goes and joins the greatest enemy of Israel. He just killed Goliath, a Philistine. Now he goes and he joins the Philistine army. He actually becomes the armor bearer of the Philistine king. Guys, you don't know how serious this is. He joins the enemy. Many of us get so discouraged that we leave the church and we go and join the world because we're fed up with the word of God. We're fed up with God. We're fed up with the preachers. We don't want to sing the songs anymore. It's all a show. You're discouraged. You're negative. You've hit the panic button. You don't know what to do anymore. So you go back into the world, sleep a one-night stand, drink yourself drunk, and tomorrow you'll feel better. No, tomorrow you'll have more problems because a one-night stand is now pregnant. And you think that's going to, Take your problems away. No, you got more problems. And many Christians, like I said, this now, is at home right now, backslidden because of discouragement. And David makes a choice. He chooses the enemy. This gets so bad, if they give me one minute, that gets so bad that the Philistines want to make war against Israel. And you know what David says? I'm going to go with you guys, and I'm going to kill my own people. Shockingly, the future king of Israel wants to go with the enemy and kill his own people of whom he's going to become the king of. 
That doesn't make sense. That's discouragement. It messes your whole mind up. Do not get discouraged. And if you realize you are discouraged, you better get out of it. Thank heavens the Philistine pre- uh, king says to David, no, you're not going with. They go, they fight Israel. King Saul gets wounded. He wants to, he, he's armor bearer to kill him. It doesn't, so Saul takes a sword and kills himself. But David would have gone with and wiped out his own people. Thank heavens he doesn't. So now David hears, oh, King Saul killed himself. He's dead. And the light switch goes on. I'm the new king. And he leaves the enemy and comes back and becomes the king. See, there is a second chance for people that are so discouraged that they backslide. Even the people at home right now, they can come back. We just got to encourage them. And the only way you can encourage people and get out of this encouragement is having the joy of the Lord. Jeremiah says it very, very clearly. You read that with me. Your words, the word of God was found and I ate them. I ate the word of God. I read them. I put them in my mouth. And your word was to me joy and rejoicing. When you are discouraged, don't go cut yourself off from God. Don't go become prayerless. Don't go start figuring it out yourself. Get into this word. Start reading it, speaking it, believing it, and let it bring you joy. Because if you start reading that God is your healer, God is your deliverer, God is your salvation, your savior, he wants to help you, he's going to help you, the joy comes back into you. That's the only thing that puts the joy of God back into you. Amen. Give the Lord a clap this morning. Come on. Come stand with me. Before they play, stand up and put your hands up with me and they just confess this morning. Everybody look at me in my my eyes. Don't close your eyes. Look at me and say this with me. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, this morning I destroy and I curse and I rebuke the spirit of discouragement. Say, you will not discourage me. I will not turn away from God. I will focus on Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for your joy, for your word, for the praise, for the worship. Say, I declare war against discouragement in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for all your promises. I receive them and I will wait for them in Jesus' name. Say, help me, Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus. Give him another clap. Amen.